point every great beer is an even better story. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. Zoe Ottaway has seen it all in her craft beer marketing career, and chatting with her is always insightful. So when I got an email this week highlighting a current trend in the industry, she was my first thought as who I would want to discuss it with. And the topic that I'm referring to is the boom of the lifestyle product. The lifestyle product is described by liquor retailer BWS as those products low in alcohol, no alcohol, low carb, low sugar, no sugar, mid-strength, organic, vegan, gluten-free, and preservative-free. Fads are nothing new in the beer industry, but this one seems to be following the trend in mainstream culture. So is it a fad or maybe a way of the future? To discuss this and more, welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Zoe Ottaway. Hello, thanks for having me again. Awesome to have you back, Zoe. It's been a little while. It has been a while. How are you doing? I'm going well. And I... I think you've been a little bit busy. That might be why we haven't spoken in a little while because you've been doing a little bit of travel, I noticed, on your Instagram account. Where did where did you go? Oh, um, last year I got away to Italy for a month and then I've just been around to some local holidays down to Gippsland, home to Adelaide. Um, yeah, just, just getting out and about while, while I can. So, yeah, it's good. It's really good. And I'm hoping that you found a few ways to work in like a few craft beer activities because I did see with a few European beer bottles in your hand on your Instagram account. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting going to Italy. Um, So before beer, my background was wine marketing. So I did go there with kind of a wine hat on and really low expectations on seeing any craft beer. Um, And to be honest, my own research probably went as far as Peroni. So I probably (laughs) haven't applied myself very much. Um, and yeah, it was really cool to kind of get through, especially in the larger towns of like Florence and Rome, to um, kind of discover some really cool local craft breweries, um, some really good uh, craft beer bars that were really um, smack bang in your face about independence. Um, it was, yeah, and it certainly taught me a lot as a marketer. If I went there, I wouldn't be able to tell what was local, what was um, independent, um, and it just really made me realise, you know, the ownership on that conversation, if it's important to you, how much of it you've really got to drive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a really, it was a really interesting um, uh, holiday. Um, there was a lot of research done, um, <laughs> which luckily was so delicious. But, um, yeah, it was great. Oh, nice. I guess you were almost like... An everyday consumer in the craft beer aisle at Dan Murphy's, not knowing which is uh, a Woolies product, which is a, uh, you know, a CUB or a yep. Lion or an Independent. It was pretty much like that. Yep. One, yeah, one hundred percent. That was exactly me. And you know, I'm on holiday, so I wasn't going to. Oh, sorry, I didn't want to be getting out my phone and getting online yeah. every time. So, um, you know, it was to walk into a brew pub that had very um, proud proudly independence um, uh, communication up, um, you know, that helped me. But if I was, you know, just as most sales probably are in just a, a normal um, bar, yeah, there, there really wasn't a lot to really help me make my decision if that's the way I wanted to go. Um, so, yeah, that Dan Murphy's um, comparison was is spot on. That's exactly what it was like. Um, and, yeah, and then even getting home to Adelaide, like the Adelaide craft beer, that's just changed so much in the 10 years I've been gone. Um, and craft beer 
wasn't really a thing um, when I left. And so it's pretty cool to see all these little um, breweries popping up and starting and, um, and even just the tap banks, um, how much more independent um, beers there are in the tap banks now too. So, um, yeah, all around the world, craft beers. Yeah, nice, so, nice. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I don't want to take us off topic too much, but just back on the independent craft beer thing, are you? what do you think about the, mm. the independence craft beer seal that's out now? Do you think that's enough for trying to tell your average consumer about that uh, company that's brewing that beer, or do you think that's really almost preaching to the converted in a way because it's it's not a big label and you could easily miss it. I think the other consideration for me too is that you notice it most likely after the point of purchase. Yeah. So if you're, um, yeah, so it's probably already in your hand and you're turning the can around and that's when you notice it. Um, if it's on a, a a tap bank or, um, you know, a beer list, you don't have that information given to you so easy. So I think it's a great reinforcement tool and it certainly, I think, really shows the depth of our community that we have in craft beer. I think it's a, it's an absolutely important icon um, or logo to be having, um, but I don't think anyone um, that really wants to hang their cap on having independent beer can just rest on that one. Like you need to be um, owning that conversation and getting it out to the people that you know want to hear it. So, um, yeah, just having that logo on the can is, or your bottle is great, but, you know, are you talking about it in your social media? Is it something you're covering in your EDMs? Um, you know, is it on your website? You know, there's some pretty small wins that you can get as well to just reinforce, um, you know, doing that. But And then I say, you know, try your best to take part in beer festivals that only have independent beer. So you can really show that you're part of this community that's um, just so important and, you know, obviously gaining more importance with uh, consumers as well. Yeah, it's that uh, that independent seal is, is awesome, but I guess it's not a silver bullet, is it? It's an ongoing um, consideration if you're putting that um, value against your brewery business. Hey there. Thanks for listening. I'll get you back to the podcast in just a sec. But first, I need a favour, please. There's a link in the show notes as well as on my Facebook page for a quick two-minute survey. I just want to make sure that these podcasts are something that you, the listener, really want to hear. And the best way to do that is to find out a bit more about you with a survey. It's really quick. I just want to know a few things about you and where you live as well as give you the chance to tell me what you like or don't like about the Beer Healer interviews. All survey responses go into the drawer to win a mystery beer pack. Thanks for your help. Now back to the podcast. We're uh, only a couple of minutes in and already we've gone off on a tangent, but that's okay. That's why I'm talking with you because uh, your breadth of knowledge in the industry is just absolutely fantastic. Let's let's bring it back to the topic at hand. And I, like, I love talking about beer with you and as you've been involved in it for a long time. And we want to talk about this thing, this lifestyle trend. But before we do, I want to ask you if you had any fond memories or maybe otherwise about trends, fads, products from the past? When you first put this question to me, all I could think of was like in my teenage years and um, scrunchies. (laughs) To be honest, it was mainly lollies, lollies and soft drinks and chips that don't exist anymore. (laughs) Um, But I think that's that's the thing with trends and fads is that, you know, they – they have high impact and they might only, you know, the very definition of a fad that it comes and goes, but it just, you know, it's the Pokemon of, you know, it just overtakes everything. And even if you're not 
directly involved, you can't escape them. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't think of any specific ones or probably ones I'd probably want to admit on a um, public forum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've got one. So take you back about 10 years and – K. Rudd had handed out his $900 assistance packages to uh, uh, families and they were all going out and buying, buying their plasma televisions. Yeah. And this trend was the, the stay-at-home occasion. So you're enjoying your time in your home with that brand-new plasma that Ruddy paid for. You've got your surround sound. You invite your friends over. And the trend seemed to all all about be all about getting like the best of both worlds and, and having a night in at your own home. Do you know where I'm heading with this one, Zoe? Do you remember this one? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, because uh, as we know, you know, when a trend's identified, there's always a marketer who is really keen to capitalise on it and find the right product to extract dollars from the pocket of the consumer. And the at-home occasion that I'm talking about gave birth to potentially one of the most expensive product release failures in the Aussie beer industry. Something that I was involved with that uh, line, and I'm of course talking about Tap King. Tap King. Remember it? Uh, very quickly dethroned. Very quickly dethroned. Oh yeah, I know, I know. But uh, just like what I did there. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> I think I, I liked it. Yeah, no, that was that, that was great. That was great. I should be working with you on that one. But that from from memory, you know, the equipment they had to put in to make those bottles and everything. I, I heard reports of things like thirty million dollar investment on that one, and probably. You know, three years later, it was it was done and dusted and and no longer. And probably those bottles are now in the hands of home brewers trying to hack them to make their own homebrew tap kings and things like that. I suppose it will be one of those things that um, you know, in twenty years' time on eBay, they'll be they'll be going for crazy huge prices. Um, yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be one of those um, retro items that you know, if you've still got one in the back. <laughs> Uh, having said that, today on eBay, I bought a um, a uh, Sony Walkman, the cassette tape one, because I uh, just felt a little bit nostalgic and wanted to listen to some of my old mixtapes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Everything comes back around again. <laughs> I know, I know. But again, I digress. So a failed product launch, you know, based on chasing a trend is nothing new in marketing. We've seen millions of them, and not just in the beer industry, you could go on and on with examples, New Coke, but on the flip side, you know, if that trend sticks and, and there's the right product to support it, you absolutely hit a winner and, you know, things like the low-carb beer trend or maybe the current hard seltzers that we're starting to see or one that I saw this week was alcoholic kombucha. Mm, yeah. Do you have a favourite product, Fails? Um, I've got one that I've used in the brand positioning workshops that we do with our clients. Um, and it's not beer, but it's a really good example of um, not really understanding your industry, your target consumers and what they want. Um, this, this one, it still blows my mind and I've known about it for years. Um, so... In marketing, what we um, you, you have your core product rights. So, um, yep. when you're assessing to bring out new products, um, you have your core, you have your extension products, you have your stretch products, and then you kind of also should be identifying the products that you just won't go near. So, if I use um, Airbnb as an example, Airbnb their core product is accommodation. Uh, their extension might be the um, experiences that they now offer. So when you you 
high use their services to get accommodation in Paris. They then also can offer you experiences to enjoy while you're in Paris. Um, yep. Their stretch product is that they might go, okay, one day we're going to actually have tours. So we'll actually, you know, it all kind of brings it together. Um, then they might also identify something that they will never do as maybe, you know, air travel. They're never going to own airplanes. Um, I've got no idea if this is right or wrong, but just, that's just the example of the how you can stretch out a, um, a, a product. Um my favourite product fail is <laughs> using that example. Um, so we all know Colgate toothpaste, right? Yeah. So their core product is obviously toothpastes and toothbrushes. Um, and I swear this is true. You can Google it um, to, to see firsthand. Their extension, you would say, is like the mouthwashes and dental flosses, um, you know, the, the extra yep. products. Colgate as, as their stretch products, you could say, would be the um, dentist only, the professional line. Um, so that's kind of stretching their product as far as you can. And really someone along the line should have identified this next product as just having no need in the marketplace at all. They released in the um, 1980s um, a range of frozen convenience food. So what? like Lean Cuisine, they had Colgate <laughs> virtual, yeah, like Lean Cuisines, they had the Colgate version of them. Um, and like unless, you know, oh, obviously yeah. to say it really didn't light the world on fire. And um, that's yeah. probably one of my, because I love doing this in workshops because everyone's face is just, like it's just so obvious that it's just not a product that anyone can connect with. Um, and, yes, just for that to... Just knowing how these things have to get approved by so many different people, the fact that something like that launched, I think, is just brilliant. <laughs> that is unreal. That is unreal. I, I love it. I love it. Let's uh, turn our attention to the now and, and into the uh, the beer market. And uh, I got an email this week, and, and BWS conducted some consumer research and shared their findings about their consumers and how they're now making lifestyle-led choices. I'm sure they, they did this research completely out of the goodness of their heart to help the industry. But um, let me read you an extract from the press release that BWS sent me this week. It said, Australia's largest, uh, Australia's largest liquor retailer found 57% of Aussies are considering changes in their consumption because of reduced socialising and weight loss. And one in five Aussies are now looking at the nutrition slash allergen slash ABV labels when they purchase alcohol. Vanessa Reed, our road head of marketing at BWS, uh, commented that Australian lifestyles are evolving. In the last five years, there have been a distinct move towards low and no alcohol drinks. And so many Aussies are now enjoying vegan, gluten-free, low sugar, and even organic lifestyles. What do you reckon, Zoe? Um, I, uh, to be honest, when you shared this with me, I'm like, oh, it's kind of good to see they've finally come to the party. Um, <laughs> but maybe I'm looking at this from an outside just beer and alcohol um, world. Um, you know, the, the, the market information has been there for years that people are just wanting to make healthier lifestyle choices. Um, and maybe it's been a bit slow in the beer world because I think, and alcohol in general is that, you know, you, you, they're products that you indulge in knowing that they're not meant to be healthy for you. Um, yep. Or you, you go, oh, you know, a couple of glasses of red wine, you know, antioxidants, like we're not under any um, um, lost illusions that, you know, more is good. We, 
we all know that, you know, too much alcohol is a very bad thing. So um, it, the data has been there for ages that people are choosing um, less quantity but better quality, um, you know, drink less but drink better. Um, you know, that's been the catchphrase for um, some other uh, alcohol brands for, for quite a while now. Um Beer was probably always going to be one of the last ones to kind of get on board. Um, you know, again, beer has got that very well ingrained um, history, rightly or wrongly, of you know, beer guts, full of carbs. Um, you know, there's, there's there's always been a great consumer education piece there to actually you know be honest about you know how much carbs is actually in beer compared to you know that sandwich you've just eaten um you know or other other um decisions food decisions you make like the the correlation that they're actually a lot closer than what you think um so but yeah and you've yeah, with things like hard seltzers coming in, as you said before, the hard kombuchas, um, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, something like kombucha, which has been started as a very um, healthy, gut-friendly, um, purposely created to really undo what alcohol does, it was only a matter of time there was going to be some smart ass out there that went, you know what, there's put booze in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. such a, um, yeah, it's always going to happen. Um, yeah. But we're also saying it, um, you know, it's not a certain age bracket, which I think maybe in the past that was a consideration. Um, you know, we, I think it was always like as people got older, they started to choose healthier choices. Um, where we we know um, the data's been out, you know, for years and years now that the the, the new entrance to drinking, so you know, the eighteen to early twenty age bracket, um, you know, they are not drinking at the same rates as the generations above them, and they're not drinking, um, you know, they're not binge drinking as much. They're not drinking the same. Um, you know, we, we've seen like. Craft beer isn't as low in those um, that age bracket as it has historically been. So you've got people that are probably on the least amount of money they're going to earn in their lifetime. They're still choosing to invest it in something that they see being more flavoursome or better for them rather than going out and getting the two-buck shucks that maybe the generations before them did. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's kind of what really got to me about that media release was just how – BWS is like just really um, you know, hanging their cap on this, that they're just really, you know, we're going to make this a real big thing because I think there really hasn't been that um, dedication to that in any of their large chains to date. Um, you know, they might have a um, gluten-free area or they might have, um, you know, they might run a campaign in one of their um, seasonal magazines that, you know, here's organic beers and wines, but to actually have a destination within their um, retail stores that, or, or being a lot more transparent on these, um, I don't want to say obviously healthy uh, um, indicators because we're still talking alcohol here, but for lack of a better word, that they're calling these things out is that's the interesting bit to me. They obviously see a lot of value because. Places like this don't do it if it's not going to make them profit. No, exactly. And I, I agree with you. Like, you know, it did seem a little bit late to the party perhaps, but maybe that's the beer industry's 
issue because I was sort of thinking about like you know for the last five or ten years we've seen you know gyms continually popping up everywhere we're, we're paying ten bucks for a freshly squeezed juice then an active wear that was probably once only worn inside gyms is now inside outside it's everywhere so so maybe maybe this is more than a maybe it's more than a fad maybe this is going to stick and it feels to me like you know the mainstream brewers are jumping all over it. They're all falling over themselves to get a zero percent alcohol drink on the shelves, which which might suit their target market. But I was sort of thinking about you know the craft beer drinkers. I'm not so sure that they'll be seeking out zero percent craft beers. What do you reckon? Yeah, the zero percent one is one that really intrigues me, and I really am interested to see what comes of that and if it does have legs in it. Um, to me. The, the big brands jumping on board, I find that actually really quite curious because they're probably the brands that have the most loyal consumers that aren't yeah. really – like if you've been drinking VB or Forex your entire life, you're not going to be open-minded to all of a sudden, you know, say you're in your mid-50s going, oh, I'm going to have a 0% beer. Like I think those people, they're pretty like comfortable with who they are, what they're doing. Like that's, that is the brand positioning of – is like BB Forex come draft. Um, it might be more, say, um, sorry, I'm probably saying beer brands. I know I always get my toys mixed up because um, I'm clearly not their uh, <laughs> target consumer. Um, and I always say the one that's been long discontinued, but, um, you know, extra dries and all those ones where, you know, it might be that 20-year-old typically male consumer that, is entering the market and is probably a bit more likely they don't want to really chase down flavour too much. It's probably more about refreshment and they probably do feel the pressure maybe to have a, a zero a, a beer. That way they can, sorry, they can then have a beer with their friends drinking but they still want the responsibility of driving or saving money. or um, So I'm really watching the mainstream brands quite, um, yeah, quite closely. When it comes to craft, um, what interests me about the craft market is we probably have, the, or I think we undoubtedly have, the more savvy consumers. So a lot of them, they might not know how beer is made, but they're a lot more open to beer is not just beer. Beer is pale ales, it's IPAs, it's sours, it's saisons. Um, you know, there's still a very big part of the beer market that just says beer is beer. Um, you know, they don't identify any difference between um, lagers just being yeah. lagers on the tap bank. So our consumers are a lot more um, open-minded to beer being like wine. You know, you've got your Sav Blanc, you've got your Cap Sav. They know beer is just as diverse. Mm-hmm. They're probably more open to trying. If I, I know within myself I like pale ales, they're open to trying other breweries' pale ales. Um, you know, they kind of know where their limits are. So I think you'll get a lot of people being quite curious at the end of the day, craft consumers, they want flavour and they want brands that they can believe in. Um, you know, that's why I love working in craft beer um, marketing so much is that people actually, they, they give a shit. Like they really, really <laughs> care about yep. who's made their beer, where is it from, is it local, you know, it's one of those few products, you know, beer, wine, cars, you know, there's products out there that people really identify their own personality being a part of, and it goes past just the rational benefits. Um, you know, we don't do that with our Colgate toothpaste or our car tires, or you know, there's there's products we those products we buy for quite rational purposes. Um, so 
yeah, it'd be interesting to see the breweries that put them out, if these 0% beers are on brand for them and it's something that their target consumers and their loyal consumers um, would show that interest in. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's just got to have flavour as well. Um, you know, that's probably the, the biggest um, the challenge is if you're someone that's normally, say, and I can say this coming from Adelaide, a West End drinker, and then you get given a 0% beer with <laughs> really not that less flavour in it, um, you're probably going to go, oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. If you're a ongoing, a, you know, even just a pale ale drinker, let alone an IPA, if you're into sours, if you're into, you know, the more diverse on the um, flavour scheme, if you get a 0% beer that's really just kind of malted water, you're going to be really disappointed. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where the 0% beers in particular go. Um, I think the rest of them, gluten-free, preservative-free, you you know, a lot of them are just, you know, gluten-free aside, things like preservative-free, low sugar. Yeah. They've been in our industry for years. We just never market them well enough. And also we just had a a beer-drinking industry that just wasn't ready. Like I remember the conversations we used to have about putting mid-strength on on beers and just how risky that was, you know, six, seven years ago, yeah. where now it's it's yeah. completely embraced. Zero um, percent beer will be that next level on. Like the craft beer drinkers are really starting to take that mid-strength um, sort of segment seriously now. Like it was, you know, 10 or so years ago, they didn't have, want to have a bar of it. Now we're starting to see these different options. And, and you, you know, you talk to the brewers yeah. of those mid-strength beers and, and in the craft, the craft industry, you tell, and they tell you they're so difficult to make because you've got to take so much out of them to get the the low ABV, and and then you you're trying to maximise the taste and the mouthfeel for the for the consumer that's looking for that. Imagine taking that sort of idea and then going into a zero percent beer. You, you're working with nothing. Yeah, yeah, and I guess um, you know this isn't my area of expertise, but if it's zero percent. I'm assuming it might face different taxation. Yeah. So, do you make is your gross profit going to be more or less? Um, th- this isn't like my world, so I'm, I'm stepping out. But there, we, there will be other business considerations as well. Um, you know, like I said before, if these things they have to work by being profitable. At the end of the day, if you're not making money of it, your business can't. No. You, you can't yep. keep going with it. Yep. So, it'll be interesting to see how consumers embrace it and how long it. Does it stick or is it another fad? But also, yeah, can breweries realistically brew these beers to the level that they want to put their brewery's name against and still have it as a viable business um, option? I feel like we're looking for something that's not really there, and especially in the craft beer market, I believe, because, you know, I'd prefer to drink a Coke than a, than a bland 0% beer. And one of the comments on my Facebook page this week, uh, like a drinking a 0% mm. beer to uh, showering with a raincoat. So I'm not sure the craft beer <laughs> industry would great. embrace it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, you, um, you, you've nailed it there too, and I think that was one of the challenges with Tap King um, is that I, feel, I look back at Tap King and you think about how much money Lion had. Like it's, I have no doubt that $30 million, um, would be a pretty Understated. good ballpark figure. Um, <laughs> and it just failed because it just felt like it, you know, sometimes it's really great to be first to market with something like that. And as you said, like if if it worked, it was always going to just like blow the industry apart. 
unfortunately, you know, high risk, high reward, you know, that high risk also came with a pretty like high um, fail rate. So um, it would be interesting to see, yeah, I, I think you're right, like air, air consumers and craft beer, you know, they want flavour and at the end of the day, and, you know, we're probably all educated enough in beer without being, um, you know, brewers ourselves to go, well, you know, mid-strength's a challenge. You know, I've had a few hit and misses in that. What's a 0% beer going to be? Um, and like you said, yeah, I think most people will be like, well, within the craft community, I still think um, there'll be some segments within the mainstream beer community that would be a bit more open to it. Um, but then I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of mainstream beer drinkers that, yeah, will probably be like you going, well, I'll just stick to what I've always done and have my Coke instead. Um, so, yeah, it's, yes. it's, yeah, I'm fascinated. I haven't really given any answers on this, yeah. sorry. I'm just ranting no, no, about no, all no, the different things. Good, I think it'll be good a good one you. to watch. Yeah. Do you reckon we can have our craft beer and a healthy lifestyle or are they mutually exclusive? Um, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um, I think we have to be really careful about labelling or um, misleading any alcohol products as being healthy. I think, you know, it's always – I think it's just responsible. You know, at the end of the day, alcohol does cause a lot of issues in our society um, and – yeah, we, we've got to take some of the ownership for that, um, even just purely by being producers of alcohol, um, which, you know, the industry I think does a good job of um, with, in terms of drink-wise and responsible um, labelling and things like that. Um, are the two mutually exclusive? I, I don't think so. Like I think it's actually healthy if you can, um, you know, especially like educate, you know, your children on healthy or, you know, responsible drinking, um, you know, that, you know, you, you don't have to get wasted to have a good time. Um, you know, you know, there's some really great, uh, beer and food matches, wine and food matches, like that's, you know, one of the most simple and most rewarding pleasures in life. Um, you know, and where there really should be, again, this, change in lifestyle which you know we, we might be starting to start to see sorry starting to see the start of um where it is really just changing that um binge drinking um heavy drinking um high alcohol uh, you know is the best value kind of um mindsets to really being you know let's just really enjoy the flavors of this this beer and hey have you tried it with cheese like put the red wine away, let's, you know, here's four different, like, beers to drink with your cheese platter, which, you know, I love doing <laughs> that, particularly to my female friends that I just have never thought to do that. And you just see light, light bulbs turn above their heads and all of a sudden that's on their radar to just experiment with flavours. Yeah, nice. um, and I think that's a very healthy attitude to have. Um, when it comes to drinking. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I certainly don't think they're mutually exclusive, but I think just Australian drinking attitudes in general probably um, we still have a little bit to I go. I think craft beer drinkers are going to find how to have a healthy lifestyle without drinking boring, bland, 0% beer. That's my take on all of this. If you're going to have to, you've got to balance it all out, don't you? If you're going to have that yeah. RABV beer, balance it out with maybe doing something healthy, he says as uh, he needs to start losing a few pounds himself right now. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, at this end, you're at this end of summer, you know, Christmas, New Year's. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just the way we all yeah. are, I think. 
<laughs> yeah. So there's, there's always going to be trends, you know, having marketing type salivate over over the opportunities of you know hitting that home run. Um, you got any thoughts on what they uh, they might be coming up in the the crystal ball, Zoe? Um, I think I had a thing about this because obviously, you know, cans really was the trend that's really taken off in the last few years where, again, like there was still a pretty um, reluctant attitude towards cans maybe even four years ago, um, you know, where now it's just completely normal to have um, craft beer and cans. Um, and like beer styles, you know, they come and go. Um, personally, milkshake IPAs, some Happy to see the back of that one. <laughs> Controversial, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it, it will be um, if if we look into other industries, um, you know, I think there'll probably be a, that growing trend of just um, uh, I won't say uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, of like locality um, of just being using Australian ingredients. Um, I think there'll be a lot Hyper more. Local. Um, yeah, and then the pride in that, like, um, yep. you know, and probably, an, again, an education piece. Like, obviously, there's some great hops that come out of Australia, but, you know, we don't really share that story with um, consumers. Um, so, you know, they might do a, you know, an Australian beer, but I think, you know, maybe as the industry, there might be a bit more of that happening. Um, and then I guess like everyone else, you just look to the US and um, see what is coming out of there and then um, just, you know, see our brewers get all excited and start to do their version of it here. So, um, yeah, we we interesting to see. Did you have any thoughts on next trends? I look, I I agree with you on the the whole hyper locally in, in talking to a lot of brewers and and whatever and 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 consumers and seeing what's exciting them about the beer industry. That that idea of using the local produce and you know drinking the beer that's been made up the road kind of thing. We've seen it in America happen a lot, and I think we'll continue to follow that trend. And there are some great breweries that are you know really leading the way you know, in Australia right now. So yeah, absolutely with you on that one. I think um, collaborations might be another one that we'll start seeing more of um, and maybe outside the beer world too. So, you know, I think it's always been there on a smaller scale, but I think, you know, maybe like distilleries and breweries um, getting together or, um, you know, big, you know, whiskies from, you know, Scotland or Ireland, like, collaborating with Australian breweries or I think it'll just be like just people starting to push the, um, the boundaries a bit on making those a bit more mainstream as well. Um, I like I know, it. It'll be fun no matter what happens. Yeah, it's always yeah. fun. It's always fun in the craft beer industry. And as as always, it has been fun chatting with you tonight because uh, I love your take on everything and we our conversations go all over the place. So hopefully people enjoyed your insights <laughs> into uh, the industry once again with me. So, uh, we always need like a... Like a, a flow chart of where we've been, where we're going. But, yeah, it's always good fun. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's a pleasure, Zoe. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, it's all mine. Thank you so much, Lukey. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another Beer Healer interview. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you want to follow along with more Beer Healer content, you can check out my Facebook, YouTube and Instagram pages. Just search Beer Healer or you can visit beerhealer.com. If you like the podcast, can you please help me spread the word by subscribing and rating it and sharing it with your beer-loving friends.